Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. So I hope you're having a good week. Uh, it is Friday of a very long week for many, many people in the Middle Tennessee area. So many of you that listen to this podcast know uh, what's happened in the Middle Tennessee area and a lot of you live in the Middle Tennessee area. For those that are unaware that may be listening out of state, we had some really serious damage done by tornadoes and it has really... Um, been a really hard week for Middle Tennessee. Uh, fortunately, we live in the outskirts of Nashville, so we did not get any damage. We're very blessed and very fortunate. However, many of our friends and many of our clients uh, live in the areas that were greatly impacted. So if you would just take a moment, say a little prayer for strength for them, also, if you feel the need to donate, there are many ways that you can donate through the Red Cross, Hands on Nashville. You can simply just do a quick search and please feel free to donate. Uh, if you are local and you want to put boots on the ground, that is greatly appreciated as well. Uh, fortunately, we do not have any casualties other than the two that were in Mount Juliet. Um, I'm hoping that that is still true. Uh, no one that we know, none of our clients uh, were injured that we are aware of. So we are gr very grateful and thankful for that and, and hope that they and their pets are staying safe somewhere and have the support that they need. So I just wanted to take a minute and, and let you guys know that's what's happened this past week. And uh, they could use any prayers, uh, any donations that you have uh, would be wonderful. So... 
I think the last I heard, Red Cross had plenty of dog food and cat food and um, other things, I think, such as food. I think they were actually all good on, but they might still need things like clothing, blankets, towels, um, simple things that we take for granted every day. Soap, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush. Those are things that we may not think about. So if you just don't mind, you know, getting on the internet, doing a little research, finding somewhere where you can help out um, if you feel the need to do so. We greatly appreciate that. And if any of our clients that have been impacted by this storm, just know that we are thinking about you. You are in our prayers and our thoughts. And if there is anything that we can do, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out because we are here to help. So um, as we move on to the podcast, I was really bouncing around a lot of ideas. And I know we talked about doing the Living with an Aggressive Dog podcast, and that is still planning to happen. I think it's just going to be more towards the end of the month. Um, I've been kind of tossing around a few ideas for this next podcast. And as I was listening to podcasts um, just from other colleagues, um, I like to listen to see if I can get some new insights and new thoughts on things. And there was one podcast that really did get my brain start working. And I thought, you know, this is such a simple subject that I can't believe somebody would do a podcast on it. But once I started thinking about it, I thought, yeah, you know what? I think people do need uh, to hear about this information and, and this part of dog training. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about reinforcement. Uh, you know, we train using positive reinforcement and reinforcement is a huge part of it. But what exactly is reinforcement? You know, we tend to think about reinforcement as food, dog treats, but really reinforcement is anything that the dog finds worthy, anything that the dog wants, anything the dog needs, anything that the dog has to depend on someone else to receive. So reinforcement can be many things. It can be definitely food. It can be treats. It can be a ball thrown. It could be playing tug. Maybe it's being petted by someone or getting the leash taken off so they can go play. Maybe it's greeting another dog or getting to say hi to a person. Maybe it's to get up on the furniture. Maybe it is to get out of the crate. So there are a lot of things that reinforcement can be for a dog. What I really want to talk about is how we use that reinforcement and how sometimes the reinforcement isn't as powerful in some situations as it will be in other situations. So let's take a moment and think about a situation where your dog uh, sees a reward as a really, really high reinforcement. Let's say that your dog loves to tug. I have a dog who loves to tug. She really, really, really loves tugging. And she really gets into it and she sees it as a huge reward. And to tug with me, it's a huge reward because she can't tug by herself. She may tug with the other dog on occasion, but really uh, most of the tugging happens with the human. And she loves to tug. So when we are at home, using the tug as a reward and a reinforcement works great. And I can get usually any behavior that I really want, I can get 
and then reinforce with that tug. If she knows that tug is coming and there's a chance for that tug to come, then she is more than likely going to be responsive to what I'm asking her to do. So that reinforcement of tug at home is very high. Let's put it on a scale because sometimes the scale helps people to understand. At home, tug on a scale of, we'll say one to five, as five being the most reinforcing, at home, that tug probably reaches a five. Now, the tug in the backyard may only reach a four, depending on what else is going on out there. So when we look at reinforcements, we have to look at what level of reinforcement are they in that particular situation. Because even though tug is very rewarding and reinforcing at home, being that it's a five, if I am outside with her and she sees the neighbor who she adores, if she sees the neighbor, the reinforcement of the tug versus seeing the neighbor has drastically reduced. So now the reinforcement of tug is probably going to be closer to a one, if not a zero, right? As being that it's not a reinforcement at all. Seeing the neighbor becomes that number five in reinforcement. So when you look at reinforcing your dog, you have to look at the level of reinforcement it is for the dog and then look at the environment that the dog is in as well as what other reinforcements are out there. I see this a lot when a dog wants to see another dog and so it gets excited and it starts whining and maybe it's pulling a little bit and it really wants to say hi to another dog. Well, a lot of owners will calm the dog down and then reinforce the dog using verbals and petting and sometimes they'll use food or treats. Well, would those food, treats, and petting work somewhere else where it might be a four and five reinforcement? Possibly at home, but when you put it up in competition versus seeing another dog, then that petting treats or food may be a one, if not a zero reinforcement because seeing the dog is more rewarding at that time. So I hope you're starting to understand what I'm trying to say here, that your dog's reinforcement is going to vary on the scale based on the environment and based on the other options that are out there. So then you're probably asking, well, Nikki, what do I do? What do I do if I have a dog who finds meeting another dog more rewarding? Well, a lot of times it's not possible to use that other dog as a reinforcement, but there are opportunities that you can do that with. If your dog is friendly, loves seeing other dogs, then you can call a friend, call a neighbor, Ask them if they would come out and meet you. Have that dog set up maybe 10 to 15 yards away. You go the distance wherever you may need to be. You may need to be at that full 15 yards to where you're getting a response from your dog. You can ask your dog for a few responses. And you'll want to try this as close as possible, not right next to the dog. Let's be real. You're probably going to have to have a good distance to where your dog is not whining and having a fit. You want to stay beyond the threshold where the dog is still hearing you. Ask the dog for a behavior such as sit, something simple that the dog 
does very well. Ask the dog to do it. As soon as the dog does it, good boy, release the dog and let him go say hi to the other dog. Let him play for 30 seconds to a minute. Remove the dog. Walk away 10, 15 yards. Ask the dog for a behavior, one or two. Maybe walk around a little bit. And then immediately release the dog to go greet that other dog. So at that moment, you're using that dog as a reward. And you're setting it up. You're not getting in a situation where you don't know the other dog. It's not safe to let the dog visit and greet. And in those situations, you just have to create distance and make distance your friend and treat that dog as a trigger. So therefore, increasing your distance to give your dog an opportunity to do the right behavior, even if it's for a lesser reinforcement. Most dogs that see something as a lesser reinforcement, if they end up not getting that high reinforcer, they will end up taking the lower reinforcement, but it just may not be making as great of an impact as giving the higher reinforcement. So giving a dog a treat for not greeting a dog versus the dog getting to greet a dog, if greeting the dog is the higher reinforcement, then the treat becomes you know, an okay reinforcement, the dog will still take it, but it's not going to be learning as well as allowing the dog to go say hi to the other dog. Another great place to do this would be the dog park. If you're comfortable in dog parks, this is great. You just use the outside of the dog park to get your dog to give you some responses, and then you release the dog to go to the gate. Or one of the things we do is we teach the dog to walk nicely with us. Right before we get to the gate, we release the dog so the dog learns that walking nicely gets you access to the gate, which getting access to the gate means getting access to the other dogs. So you can use that as a reward as well. And so you have to really look at that moment of what is reinforcing to the dog? You know, am I giving the dog a reward that's really not that high on the scale in this environment and that's why I'm not getting the results? Because your reinforcement and how you handle that reinforcement can change how you get your results. If you're using the right reinforcement at the right time, you're going to get very fast results and you're going to get a dog who's going to be really focused in on what it needs to do. If you're using a, a reinforcement at that moment that's not that great, it's okay, but it's not that great, your dog will still be learning, but you're not going to get the response as quickly. You're going to have to probably do more repetitions. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer for the dog to see that doing what you're requiring or requesting um, is going to be more rewarding in the long run. So it's something that you have to kind of look at. And I, and I can't tell you that every dog's reinforcement is, is going to be a treat. I can't say that every dog's reinforcement is going to be a ball. And when I mean that, what I mean to say is I can't tell you that every top reinforcement Right? I know a lot of dogs that love treats and that no matter what food is, is there. And I know some dogs that they love food, but not when it comes to, say, tugging. And I always tell people that every dog is food motivated. You just have to find the right food. Um, and that includes the treats. You just have to find the right one. But again, there may be a time where even though that treat is reinforcing, getting to chase the ball may be more reinforcing in that particular environment. And, you know, when we do our group classes, 
we try to tell people, please do not bring treats that you use at home on a regular basis. Because if you do that, even though your dog loves them at home, that they are their favorite treats at home, it's not going to be their favorite treat when they get into a group class with 9, 10, 11 other dogs with tons of different smells, with tons of different people, with a lot of arousal. Those treats are not going to be worth it. There's a lot of competition there. So you have to think, well, what can I use that's going to be a four and five reinforcement for my dog in this environment? And you have to get creative. Maybe it's playing tug. Maybe it's tossing a, a ball. And if the dog's on a leash, maybe it's just tossing the ball or bouncing the ball to the dog or tossing it just into his mouth, right? Or maybe it is just finding those different type of treats that are really wow to the dog and the dog knows that, oh, I only get these treats in this environment. I really have to pay attention. So there are a lot of different ways that you can do it, but you have to get creative and start practicing and working with your dog to see what is a reinforcement to your dog and what is on that scale one to five. Petting is great, but let's be real. Petting is usually for us more so than the dog. Yes, the dog may enjoy it, but if he can get it at home with no distractions, while he's chewing on a bone and you're watching TV, then it's not going to be worthwhile to come to you in the middle of a dog park just to get petted on. So as a dog ages and grows, coming to you at the dog park may be um, the reward itself because the dog knows if I come to you, I get to go back to play with the other dogs. If I don't come to you, I'm going to be removed from playing with the dogs. So if your dog comes to you in the dog park, you may pet, but that's not the major reinforcement. The major reinforcement is being released to go back and play because we don't want to take treats in the dog park. You'll just get attacked by every dog out there. So if you have your dog out somewhere, teach them that coming to you continues the play, but not coming to you ends the play. Now, I recommend that you work on coming when called in a safe environment, in a calm environment, in a controlled environment so that you can set the dog up for success and teach the dog what behavior you want. Now, if you're only calling your dog at the dog park to end the play, then you have to think about, well, why is my dog not coming? Oh, it's because I take away the reinforcement. I take away the fun and it ends. So if dog comes to me, the dog knows that the game is over. Uh, they're going to try to make it, you know, make the play last longer. Therefore, they're not going to come. They're probably going to run from you. Those are fun games for them because they just want to play. But if you teach them that coming to you continues the play, then you'll start teaching the dog that the reinforcement can continue by doing the things that you're asking the dog to do. And, and that's really kind of the bottom line of when it comes to anything that you're teaching it's about that reinforcement. It's about saying, hey, I control all good things and I will give you the world, but here are the things I need you to do. So I encourage you and I challenge you to sit down and maybe even make a list of what your dog finds reinforcing, what they want to see as a reinforcer, and then I want you to rate them from one to five, one being a low reinforcement, five being um, the biggest reinforcement, and then I want you to rate those in different environments. So rate them just by themselves. And most likely that rating, that first rating will be the environment at home, 
which is typically calm and controlled. And that's where the reinforcements are typically big. And then I want you to just take little environments. Maybe it's in the front yard. Maybe it's in the backyard. Maybe it's at the dog park. Maybe it's walking on a trail or hiking. Maybe it's just going to, to um, some store or the pet store or just out to the park. It's just changing up your thought processes of where you may take your dog. And then I want you to rate those reinforcements based on those environments. And when you do that, I think you're going to start to see that, okay, I need to use this reinforcer in this environment to get the behavior. I need to use this reinforcement in this environment to get the behaviors that I want. And remember, we're not using reinforcement as bribery. So it's not like you want to say, here, I've got the ball. And if you want me to throw the ball, you have to sit. No, it's carrying that ball, carrying a tug toy, just like you carry your treats in a pouch, hidden away in your pockets. Get the behavior first, use your verbal marker, and then present your level three resource and or your level three marker, which is your resource, and go from there. And, you know, really start teaching the dog that you never know what reinforcement's going to come out wherever you are. Because, but you know what's probably going to come out because you know what's the most powerful. You know, I'm not going to use a ball for level five all the time for reinforcement at home because I want that ball. If my dog really loves to chase, I want to use that ball in other environments. So it may, I may try to limit what I use at home with the ball so that when I'm out, out somewhere, maybe at the, in public or maybe I'm at the dog park, then I can use that ball as a high-rated reinforcer. So I hope this makes sense to you because um, I really thought this was really important and because and I think a lot of times we think what should be reinforcing to the dog is not reinforcing to the dog in that environment. And it takes us using a little problem solving and using you know our thought process to see how our dog's responding and what's the best way that we can adjust what we are reinforcing with to get the behavior that we want from the dog. So don't think you always, well, I got to have treats. I always have to have treats with me. I always have to have treats here and I always have to do treats there. Sometimes there are other things that your dog finds reinforcing. And then, you know, there are some dogs that would rather be petted by you or seeing a human over seeing a dog. So if that dog would rather see a human, then we use that as the high reinforcer, not necessarily going in the dog park to see dogs but seeing people. So you just have to kind of adjust, um, see what your dog is. And, and I also would love to hear from you guys about what you're using as reinforcement and what are you finding that your dogs love? Because I think that also gives a lot of people some um, ideas themselves that they may have not thought outside the box. So uh, we're gonna post this on our Facebook page and if you will go there and under comments, let us know what you're using for reinforcement. Let us know what your level ones and your level fives are. Because I really think that will help others get outside the box and think, oh, you know what? I never thought about using that for a reinforcement. Um, so that would help out a lot of people. Um, and because, you know, every dog's different on what they really like. And so we would appreciate you giving us some feedback on that. And I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. And again, I just want to say our, our thoughts, our prayers, um, our heart, we're with Nashville, we're with East Nashville, Germantown, 
We are with North Nashville, West Nashville, uh, Cookville, Putnam County. All you guys are, are in our thoughts and our prayers, and we we do hope that uh, you're getting your needs met right now, and, and there are people guiding you and directing you and, and helping you to get your life back on track. And and uh, if you feel the need to help out, please do so. Uh, we really appreciate all your thoughts and prayers for them. So I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, and get out and work your dogs, train them. Let us know what you're using for reinforcement. And hopefully uh, we'll get some new ideas because I always like new ideas. I always like to get outside my little box um, because you know what? People think differently. And sometimes my brain just may not think about something. So please get on our Facebook page and let us know what you are using as reinforcers. God bless and have a wonderful weekend.